1: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Slaying Your Lane, the podcast. I'm Elizabeth Fibonene.
0: And my name's Yomi Edegeke.
1: So um, this week, uh, it's been such a weird, weird week. Um, I think for a lot of people receiving A-levels. So I think we're going to talk about that later on and some other bits and bobs. But first and foremost, how's your week been Yomi?
0: Yeah, it doesn't really feel like it's been. Like I feel like... um... God, I mean there was some stress yesterday, like, oh God, there's always some sort of work thing going on. Um, that feels almost more stressful than it does like outside of a pandemic, because obviously alongside trying to like um not catch coronavirus um or like be killed by like the pending or like current mm-hmm. recession, um, yeah, there's like work stuff on top of it, which just feels like simultaneously a stupid thing to fret about with everything else that's going on, but also like just more stressful than ever so yeah i feel like every for the past like however many weeks we've been recording i feel like there's always some dramatic work related like shit going on um but yeah i think just this very minute (laughs) it might have died down a bit so feeling feeling um cautiously optimistic how's your week been
1: yeah i think like it's weird because i think everybody must be like you guys just speaking code in at the start of your (laughs) the start of your (laughs) episode um so (laughs) Um, no, I think it's just been, I think the heat wave of last week was just one of those things that I just found it really hard to kind of concentrate or do anything. Mm. Um, so I'm so happy that the weather isn't, you know, massively rainy and all that sort of stuff, but it's cooled down massively. Um, I think that was just stressing me out last week. It's just, yeah, I don't think our country, um, and just, just the way we are in this country is built for, um, a heat wave a heat wave of like a day okay maybe two days but i cannot do a week like it's just a bit mad Mm.
0: the uk is not built for anything other than drizzle like if if it's snow it can't cope if it's really hot it can't cope it's literally just like the old the light yeah april showers that's what that's what we're built to do
1: here beyond that it's just like catastrophe for sure So, um, our first topic of the day, um, was something that was getting me really stressed last week and just really just like demoralized even further. Um, (laughs) um, and it was the whole A-level scandal. So, um, it's quite, it's weird because we've, as of like us recording today, um, like a couple of hours ago, was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday, um, it, the government's made a U-turn, but long story short, um, yesterday, the government made a U-turn on their highly controversial decision to downgrade almost 40% of A-level results in England after, you know, um, a widespread outcry and student protest, essentially. So, um, this, I don't, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to not invent, inject my own personal opinion on in this, as I told you guys, but off call this stupid thing, um which is basically it's, it's a exam regulation has downgraded um who created this algorithm which is essentially very biased and has downgraded um a lot of students um and things like that so uh it's just i don't know like this class of 2020 i just feel really sorry for them for a lot of reasons yeah
0: man it's mad because like i mean to be honest i was absolutely convinced and certain that they'd u-turn i was like come on like there's absolutely no way like it's it's like I was saying to my little sister, it's giving me, um, what's the word, Charles Dickens, Dickensian levels of cruelty. I was like, come on, this is actually like caricature level, like Margaret Thatcher stealing the milk, the Grinchy you stole, like Christmas is cancelled level, like cruelty. Oh, we're going to like, you know, decide children's um, grades based on an algorithm that's going to like cut their grade by like fifty. I was just like, they're not, they can't stick to this because obviously this government has been like, cartoonishly cruel um, mm. throughout the coronavirus crisis like the fact that we've got it's not even funny but like the fact that we've been punished um, for um, I, I don't know why I'm saying our like our handling of the coronavirus scandal when it's literally Boris Johnson's like handling of um, the coronavirus like crisis like with like one of the worst death rates in the world with like a, yeah. one of the worst recessions in Europe like it, I think this government has just been like yeah like almost like sketch show level villain, pantomime villain level bad. That's mm-hmm. why I was like, surely this would just be like honestly the final nail in like a, a, a literal like horror film coffin. And then yeah, of course they U-turned because obviously Scott Scotland U-turned as well. Um so I couldn't tell surprise. But that kind of run up um I was talking to um my it's so weird calling her Mentee because like technically she's my mentee. Like I met her when she was 15 and I was like 21. Um, And uh, she was working on a magazine that used to, well, you, you know the story in Elizabeth, but like birthday yeah. magazine. Um, so literally like I met her then, but like obviously now we're like closer in age and we're friends. And I remember like, you know, she was um a very, very talented, like literal prodigy, child genius type that was like really, like had very serious mitigating circumstances That led to her getting into um, Cambridge, I think twice, if not three times, um, and then them basically not really taking her mitigating circumstances into account, which meant that she wasn't able to go, um, even though she was only like, I think, very mildly below the grades that she was predicted. So I feel like we were having a conversation about yesterday and it was just like this whole situation, it's actually really sad on so many levels because this isn't the first time by any means that like young people especially from disadvantaged backgrounds have been let down by the system yes it's almost like ca- a cartoon in this state in this um specific instance where it's like oh and we're gonna literally get an algorithm and a computer to decide which of you ones gets to thrive in life but with her situation and so many other situations like that where like mitigating circumstances aren't taken into account where like, like things like a post the postcode lottery all these things like they have pre-existed like the coronavirus um, the coronavirus crisis, gosh, that's actually a really hard phrase to say, for years. And it's just like the first time in a long time that we're actually really having these conversations about how the system is essentially rigged to stop certain people from thriving within it. And it's now we're having this conversation, but it's sad because this isn't by any means the first time. What, what? How mm. did you feel, especially because you've got younger um, siblings?
1: Yeah, but I'm, I wouldn't say I'm lucky because my sister, isn't doing her GCSEs till next year, um, so I guess I didn't feel it personally from that point mm-hmm. of view. But I felt it very personal, um, just because I, I think, for me when I was sixteen, and I, uh, education was like my ticket to basically. I hate. I wouldn't say better myself, but improve my life chances, and that's what education is meant to do. Like when you're younger, you're told if you put the work in, like all of that sort of stuff, you will go somewhere. Like this, you're like even when you're, you know, growing in a Nigerian household, like education is a really big thing. So. I think for me it just gave me really bad PTSD, like if that's the right term. Like mm, that's what she was saying, war flashbacks. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. That's exactly how it felt because I just, I just couldn't imagine that feeling like that. So, um, and I think that's, I think that was just my main thing. I was just like education for someone. If you come from a particular background, it is, it is the, only, it's very few things that you know that can kind of, I won't, I'm not i am not going oh my god, I'll lift you out of poverty and all that sort of stuff, but like. The promise of bettering your circumstances is, you know, kind of you use education to do that as a tool. So when we saw a system that, and I think what you said around basically like the fact that it just exposes the privileges that we all see every single day, we've all gone through the state education system and we see like the different disparity and all of that sort of stuff. And like, I don't know, I was saying to somebody that. Sometimes you you grow up thinking that private school kids are smarter than you. And like, because you know, they, they, it's just, you know this whole style of all of that sort of stuff. And you kind of like, you become an adult later on in life and you realize like, it's just privilege. Like being Mm -hmm. able to talk in a particular type of way um, have the connections, all of that sort of stuff, it just exposes, and I've always been kind of on the fence about this, like, not on the fence, I've always been kind of like, I'm not really a private, i you know, I'm not, I'm kind of against, you know, the concept of private schools and all that sort of stuff, but personally, depending on my life, I'm not sure, I don't want to be like, I'm not sending my catch out private school, I've always been kind of, but last week, I was just like, it, like, I can't, I just, morally, I just genuinely struggle, I would struggle to do that, so I don't know, last week was just, I guess, confirmed a lot of the feelings I have around like um, private schools and it's not personal to people who go to private schools it's because you know you don't have a choice and what your parents send you um mm. but i think the privileges that it bestows on p- um, people who um who enter that system is something that i just cannot morally like come to terms with in this country mm. that, and it's just it's a myth of meritocracy it's just there are so many things about the education system in this country that is rigged against you if you're working class if you're black all of these things and even yeah so i think that's i think i've got really demoralized last week based but then hearing Obviously, the U-turn was quite good to hear that. Um, But yeah, I think it just confirmed that we live in a very, very privileged, there's no such um, society, there's no such thing as meritocracy. I for a long time believed in that, but I think over the last, I'd say five years, I just realized that that's not the case. The cream does not always rise to the top. The people who are uh, in positions of power in, in this country are not there because they're the smartest. And do you know what's so funny? You know, like Gavin, the Gavin, the, the, the Gavin Williamson guy. Him, he was just like, we don't want to basically like inflate grades because we don't want a culture of people who um are, are incompetent at their jobs, sort of thing. Mm. Do you know how I? Do you know how like crazy that is to say? That means that's somebody who doesn't understand the um the job market because there are already too many people going to university who are very much overqualified he doesn't understand the skills market in this country for you to say that it just it just was so it, i think yeah my brain was melting physically last week was the heat but also mentally because i just genuinely didn't understand like these the idiots that essentially um have power um to kind of mm. govern and control so yeah that was kind of like um i guess really hard and i don't know like what would would you say your because yeah would you say you're a level because now it's going to be done via pe- teachers predicted grades. Mm. How if if you were in the system A levels how would you have fared? If you know if you were, um, I
0: would have. <laughs> I'm one of those people that's going to be like, well, actually, I would have mm. actually, I would have got into where I was going. I got exactly my predicted grades. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I still don't think it's fair. Like, um, and again, I've always said that's the thing. I think I got what I was predicted, but I also, um understood from a very early age and I've said this a million times on a million different podcasts that even that in and of itself I've never ever felt that it was representative of much more than the fact that I knew what I needed to write to get a particular grade Mm -hmm. for instance like I was rubbish at maths I've, I've already said that I was like in the second bottom set for maths um, which led to mass confusion because I'd managed to fool everybody for years into thinking that I was smarter than I was. But, like, in terms of, like, in terms of, um, what is it, English and, like, um, history and sociology, and, like, I can't remember what subjects I did, but, like, at the end of the day, I was very much like, okay, like, I was very good at, like, cramming and I was very mm-hmm. good at understanding what I needed to say in terms of what to. I was very good at knowing what I needed to say to be able to secure particular grades, and to mm. me, that's never even back then. I was like, I'd say smart enough to know that that wasn't real intelligence because, like, I'm I'm, would never cramming, I'm isn't not, it? yeah, exactly. you're smart, but you know, you know I the am system. smart, but I'm I'm more street smart in terms of knowing yeah. what I needed to write and what I needed to say. And they're all there's so many different types of intellect which continue to go under the um, radar and continue not to be detected because we are so fixated on people getting like um you know basically being able to remember 1066 and put it on a paper like that's what we're that's what we're focused on and it's harder to do that to be fair with like maths and stuff which mm. is why i couldn't i couldn't um scam my way through like, the math system but i could definitely scam my way in english maths not maths sorry english uh, history um you know sociology re all those kind of topics that would just require you to remember things um yeah. and answer what you basically remember what your teacher in particular wanted you to say even if you didn't agree with it <laughs> like yeah. that was kind of like um um what it was but like most but what's interesting is yeah whilst i'd have been fine because i've like also was very strategic with the subjects that i picked which meant that i was like yeah like i um, had like shown continually that I'd be okay in those areas. A lot of people that I know did much better than they were predicted. Predicted. In mm. fact, a lot of people went at least two grades above what they were predicted. So um, I know a lot of people wouldn't have fared as well. And I think again, even the fact that it's like, oh, okay, like, I don't know. I still think that even if, you know, even aside from that issue, there's also a very big issue in terms of it being like, you know, maybe this should make us really radically rethink um, yeah. University as a signifier of intellect, of, of 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 educational prestige and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, you know, I've I've seen all these companies being like, oh, we're going to stop like recruiting from universities, or we're going to stop requiring requiring uh you know um degree as a like entry point in terms of a job. And I'm like, yeah, because really and truly, like for years, aside from this scandal, we have allowed like lots of different types of intellect and talent to fly under the radar because we're too busy being like oh, we need to ensure that Tristan from, you know, Eton gets his job at daddy's wherever. Like, and, but we just had this like whole factory of the same people because they've all basically learned how to, not even learned really, they've just been, their parents have paid for them to learn how to end up in particular spaces and places, um, which is why we end up with the government that we have now. But how about you? How would you say?
1: No, I think honestly, exactly the same as you. Like genuinely, like I would have, I got, my predicted grades were very much, um great like a star a star it was great so i i would have totally been fine um and i was telling someone this story that when i I didn't do my so when i was my gcse um one so i didn't do my gcse media studies grade um exam because i had like a a a weird tooth that flared up and i had to go to like last minute surgery it was weird um and then my the day so i turned up because i was like i can't miss my gcse exam um, for media studies I turned up on the day to my, my, um, to my school um, still drugged up but I was like no I have to go in so I turned up and my, my mouth was all like literally like I can't even like it was swollen so much and then the, the teacher asked me they were like we can either give you your predicted grade because you or you can sit the exam my predicted grade was an A star so of course I was gonna say I'm gonna not sit this exam, so I went home. Do you know what I mean? So like mm. predicted grades. If you if your predicted grades are, it's like how can I get better than A star, A star, A star? Like of course I was gonna always go home, um, but I wanted to show that I was willing to do it because you just never know, in it. So mm. uh, predicted grades are good when you know your teacher likes you, teacher sees your potential, you've you've done all you've done well throughout the year, your mock exams are like on par, but they're not good if you you basically like i've had issues at home or like you've had like there are things that are external forces at play we don't just sit exams and and you know go to school and that's it there are things at play that which mean that you know you cannot always give yourself a 100 you cannot always give your education or a particular mock exam everything you would want to give it for the real thing so um i would have been fine in my a levels and yeah i would have been fine but i just like you said i know people people use their real grades to really elevate themselves and really prove mm. themselves. And like you said about the the, the um, saying things to get by, that is. I made that. I got that realization when I was sixteen. I went, oh my god. I, I remember my A levels. I never subbed. Everybody was banging out five subjects for politics, like learning all the different five subjects, topics inside out because out of those five subjects and you, there's three questions that come out. I took a risk. I said I'm not learning all those five subjects. I'm gonna only learn, I think I only learned like three and then did like a backup four. Like, And I literally was just so strategic. So whatever question I would have, that came up, I had to answer it, but I knew that if I learned everything I, about it, I would have been fine. And I was fine in me, I was fine, but that's a risk. And I think should strategically, that's how I kind of play the system like um, over the years, like up, up until like even degree level.
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: There's a question I actually wanted to um, bring up, actually, about um, what you were saying around, like, intelligence and what is the marker university um and exams and stuff like that so what we found is a lot of companies over the years so you know ey kpmg a lot of these professional service companies have kind of like changed their grad programs to um not uh, include a levels and things like that so they're they're kind of like broadening broadening this the widening the spectrum of what um they should they look for in candidates because even if you find that uh, what do you call it again? Dis- disadvantage and bias is in this, into the system pr- even before, like, your, GC- your GCSEs and stuff like that. Um, so they're kind of, like, for more, you know, better hiring practices, they're kind of doing away, putting less prominence on A-levels and all of that sort of stuff. So, I was having this debate with somebody and they're, like, that's a good thing, all of this stuff is a good thing, duh, 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 duh. and I agree, but how do we then determine who gets a job? Because, it is still needs to be competitive and what you find is what companies how companies hire when they when they take away qualifications and stuff like that I don't def- I don't necessarily believe it then means that the hiring practices are therefore even like um are become not biased. I still feel like bias is still at play because it then becomes likability. Do you know what I mean? Like all of this yeah, stuff definitely. becomes less prominent like the high likability and that's where black um, you know, all of this stuff like racism becomes a play. Sexism becomes, you know, like even even more at play. All of this types of stuff. So I just, I don't have the answers, and obviously, private it's way above my pay grade. But I don't know what how you think how you, what do you think about that? Because I don't think that that in itself is the way we need to go. I'm still unsure because ultimately likability, where like still, I and mean, then who wins the likability context? It ain't it ain't going to be me. It's going to be a very charming white boy who can, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like the likelihood is, it's, so I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure, but I don't know. I hear yeah. that.
0: Um, I think, yeah, I think it's definitely moving in the right direction in my mind, but that doesn't mean that it's the, it's the be all and end all. And it's the absolute answer because yeah, definitely if it, it becomes a likability context, it becomes a, um commonality contest of like oh well whose dad went well I know your dad from here and we went to the same school and it was like you know it, it becomes that which I don't think is much better um but I do think it's a it's a um you know move in the right direction just because I really think that like where we are now I wouldn't say it's necessarily better um i guess to be honest as you said it can allow people to discriminate differently essentially which is why i feel like more measures need to be put in place but it's a measure mm. i definitely really agree with because i just feel like going to work i say it all the time i met some of the dumbest people ever like yeah. i met some of the most stupid people that's not just oh, you know in terms of how they carried themselves but just even academically people that just didn't have to take their studies seriously because they you know they knew they'd be fine either way or they they had basically they've been paid for their whole lives to understand how to perfectly like answer a particular set of questions or whatever like it's just and like things like yeah public speaking confidence all those things are like you know that are instilled in certain education systems that aren't necessarily um, prioritized in like the state school system or like like yeah and like being articulate and stuff like that so um yeah I do definitely think that it can be you know it doesn't remove bias in the same way that people taking like names off of cover letters doesn't remove bias you still got to turn up to the interview but I definitely think that just anything that's a move away from the idea that um, higher education and university education is like the be all and end all in terms of like how you're able to do your job is a really important thing in my mind. But what would the answer be? And I think that's, you know, whoever's whoever's job that is, whoever's, whoever is in that pay grade needs to figure that out because I feel like, okay, so we remove the university requirement, which would definitely diversify the pool in terms of class backgrounds. But what do we do to still make sure that it's not just... Um, you know a particular type of person that is making it past interview it's always the interview level in my mind it's like a big hurdle because it's that like kind of um, people searching for like commonality rather than Mm. like um, ability um, or just projecting ability dependent on somebody's um, background absolutely so our next topic is going to be on the issues with generational Commentary and kind of um, stereotyping. Um, The conversation that exists generally at the moment around millennials is that, you know, we're all sort of grouped together as being this like afflicted generation that, you know, suffer from crippling rent prices, job instability, and inability to get on the housing ladder and all of that, which is definitely true. And that, you know, those structural problems do exist, but it kind of homogenizes um, the experience of millennials um, just generally. Um, because obviously when you're saying things like, you know, generation rent, it ignores that there are obviously going to be some millennials that aren't affected by those issues. Not all millennials are built the same. Um, And there was an article about this in The Guardian, which was basically talking about, you know, elite, um, what's the word, millennial landlords, which almost sounds like an oxymoron in itself, but I mean, they do exist. So yeah, it was kind of just talking about the fact that some millennials actually benefit from you know how dire the situation is currently and like you know in the same way that there's generation rent they are kind of like able to take advantage of generation rent in the same way like any baby boomer landlord would also be able to um and yeah i guess like it kind of touches on you know we had that conversation last week about like speaking about um entire groups of people like really generally and being like oh my god millennials are fucked when it's like yeah, the millionaire millennials are nodding along like in it when in reality, like, you know, (laughs) they are like renting out to like, they're part of the problem in terms of renting. So what do you think in terms of like how we speak about millennials? I mean, I do think there's a general kind of consensus that we're a screwed generation, but do you think it's okay for people to kind of like, um, I guess to make it easier, just to call us generation rent when they're obviously going to be some millennials (laughs) that aren't renting or are actually
1: landlords? (laughs) I feel I thought I'm, I'm part of the problem I hate to say it because I work in um advertising and advertising is based on like grouping everyone together and people may disagree with that but that's just basically it. like I've spent the last couple of weeks working on a brief that's about Gen Z and I've I think I probably know more about Gen Z than i probably like to know and all of the, the nuances around what they like what do they like so I, I I can't I guess in good faith act as if like I don't do it myself because that's how I guess like it's I, that yeah so i came yeah so i I'm totally honest i agree i agree i think we have to be able to see what the difference the different groups and privileges associated with each different group and we aren't just we aren't all in this together i think mm. that is i think that if there's any year yet that has really shown that we are not all in this together there are so many deep structural forces at play which mean that that we can never all be in this together like and we should be, but we're not. It's not us against the world. It's us against each other. Because mm-hmm. we can't even really treat the world nicely. Like like look at climate change. Like so I don't so for me, I agree with that article. I do think that there is and I agree with what you were saying. Like there is we need to kind of be a bit more this whole generation rent, yeah. But then we have to acknowledge that there are people really are the, the people people I've I you know, I've worked with in the past, people that I've I remember I was speaking to some girl and um she's like yeah posh girl from Hertfordshire whatever and she her parents bought her house in Brixton and I just you know you just think to yourself we are not the same like which we, would she we're both we're both complaining about life and you know oh gosh so tough being a woman and you know striving and all that sort of stuff so so so, so tough isn't the world so against us and how do we put ourselves forward oh how do we avoid burnout and then when it was revealed later on that she, she, my parents bought her this flat and she lives with her boyfriend and they were like I actually just thought wow I'm in this for myself like I'm in this for myself what do you think? I, yeah I feel like they're allowed
0: to hide behind times like Generation Rent which so easily kind of lump us together um and it's it's like they don't even have to play victim like we're all playing victim for them because we're just like lumping together like and, and this is what I was saying like before about like when we talk about a black community as opposed to black communities as if we don't all have our like separate experiences cultures nuances and everything we just we we i feel confident to speak on behalf of the black community as if i can speak for um you know a 60 year old um grandmother in somalia and also uh you know 34 year old african-american man growing up in atlanta and i'm like yeah on behalf of these people this is what i think i think that's how the millennial conversation is where it's like like our experiences are very different to other millennials' experiences. And that just should really go without saying. But because, you know, as you said, like, advertising, I'm not going to lie, journalism definitely adds to the, you know, the, the the feeds that same beast by just talking about, like, millennials, like, so generally and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I think that just even outside of the millennial conversation, like, of course, there are just certain terminologies that make it easier to speak about things. I think, to be honest, like, yeah, like, um, that that's never going to stop. Like, we, we use these kind of, like, signifiers and, um, you know, like, names to, you know, to just be able to conceptualise things easier and, like, have conversations about things. But we just need to be careful because it can actually absolve things. And also, it's not even necessarily absolving certain behaviours. It just, it just flattens out and it just leads to less nuanced and kind of... um Engaging conversations about certain things um i'm not gonna lie same thing with the millennial thing i've noticed when we have this when we have private school conversations yeah and when we have conversations about like oh um especially like just harking back to the a-level conversation it's so funny how many middle class um probably educated black people get very very suspiciously quiet like <laughs> so many privately educated black people get very quiet when it's like okay we're having a conversation about private school because it's like i guess when we discuss, like, how privilege works, it's very, for lack of a better phrase, black and white. And we're very much like, yes, you know, of course, people are, as we know very well, oppressed along um racial lines. But people are obviously always um oppressed along class lines, too. So when you try to have these, like, nuanced debates about, like, what um oppression is and how it manifests and how it manifests in the school system, like, people... A lot of like people online will be very comfortable talking about it in terms of race, but very uncomfortable when you start talking about how the racial element is heavily compounded compounded by a um, class element. So when they were looking at resits and they were charging like you know extortionate prices to resit that's something that would affect you in terms of class and in terms of money. And I'm like, I was just kind of looking at certain voices like, oh, you're remarkably quiet like when it comes to this. And I feel like that's kind of a generation rent conversation where it's like, oh, not generation rent, like mm. the millennial conversation. Things that like, yeah. I will see certain, you know, under 30s or like young people that are very vocal on certain things suddenly become really quiet. And it's like, it on other issues and it's kind of where they don't have the monopoly on oppression. It's like, there's certain um, instances, for instance, that like, I can't really relate to. Like, I'm not going to talk about it in a particular way because I'd just be lying. I'd be just trying to like, you know, again, like have some monopoly on like oppression and and opt into like um, certain oppressions that I don't experience. But I definitely think there's a real culture of that because we use these really wide spanning terms like generation rent, doom generation. I might have just made that one up, but like just all these things are all, you know, sandwiched in between recessions. Yeah, those are realities, but it doesn't mean it's affecting everybody in the same way. But I've noticed a lot of people only really like to speak on things that allow them to kind of have a monopoly on disenfranchisement, and when it comes to things that actually kind of reveal their own privileges, um, because now oppression is a currency in its own, it's in its own way. Um, they just get quiet rather than just owning it. Like, oh, actually, yeah, I'm black, but I also did go to private school, which means that this conversation, yep, I'm still affected in certain ways, but you know, not in the same way as a lot of other people are. Or yeah, I, I am part of generation rent, but I actually don't rent. I'm a landlord, so you know, XYZ. Mm-hmm. They're quiet because it doesn't it means that they can't write a thread about how fucked everything is. Mm-hmm. So they just they just don't say anything at all.
1: Absolutely. I think everybody just wants to be like, I'm fucked and the world is against me and then it's like, guys, there's different mm. there's different levels to there's, this. And sometimes, levels to this shit. Yeah. And sometimes I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think it's also part of a millennial thing. I hate to be like, oh my God, I'm doing the exact same thing we'll do. But I do think we just, sometimes it's everybody wants to feel like we're all in the same boat. And like, even while yeah. we're having a discussion, it's true, I was having a discussion with like um, my friend we're talking about online dating, um, Juba. Hi, Pam. Um, oh my God, yet she, again. She exactly. <laughs> and She's I had the to, third member of this cast. Because she really is. is. She was saying that like, yeah, you know, or any power, I mean, just roundabout ways. We're talking about colorism and how that affects mm. your dating prospects and all that mm. sort of stuff. This is actual fact. And um, don't argue with me. Argue with the data. And the lighter mm. you are, the darker you are, the less likely you are to get married. That yeah, is not yeah. something That's, that we can dark. debate. And so she was just like, yeah, but I th-, she was like, but she was seeing her other dark skin friends, like you know, get male attention. Like she was, t- she was like, well, they're fine and stuff like that. And I was just like, well like colorism is really a big issue. And we were just having Mm. a back and forth. And and I had to, at one point I had to really say to her, like, you're saying this as a woman who, like, I am a dark skin, like, I actually was like, please Mm. be aware of the privilege that you're holding to say that my experiences (laughs) aren't as valid because, you know. This is a whole
0: episode in itself, because Pam doesn't identify as light skin. That's a whole nother conversation. She does not identify as light
1: skin. (laughs) So. <laughs> and, and this is the problem and it's also me understanding that I'm not, as, I'm not as dark as um, Lupita Nyong'o so there's different things yeah there's levels to everything there's levels here, and sometimes we don't want to acknowledge these different yeah, nuances to true. our identities our experiences and I think that it then it's just I don't know the, the, the conversation end up just, ends up just having being very basic and not mm, necessarily progressive and forward looking absolutely and because that's the thing as well there are,
0: so, there are multiple axes of disenfranchisement so literally you can be a very dark skinned person like say Lupita Nyong'o and have better dating prospects both stunning women women, but have better dating prospects than perhaps somebody like Lizzo who is fucking gorgeous as well light skinned but bigger and this is the thing there are various kind of axes of ways that like was that what I said yes yeah, there are various axes of oppression that I think it's very and then when you look at both of them actually they're both famous <laughs> and they're both rich which then puts them in a more desirable category anyway and that's the thing there's various ways in which like n- none of them are going to be Perceived in the way that Beyonce is, because Beyonce is light skinned, slim, also thick, all, like you know famous, all these other things as well. But then even someone like Beyonce will still be. I mean, actually, I've got to say Beyonce herself is a deity. But if she wasn't, like just generally, she still will be seen differently compared to like other like you know she'll have to strive how many times as hard or you know thrive how many times as hard compared to other white artists that aren't even on her level because of like you know because she's not white like there's just so many different ways in which we can be disenfranchised and it's funny that we're often only willing to acknowledge the ones that like affect us and make us feel the most oppressed if that makes sense um because like yeah like i think even you know that like i very much am like i'm a dark-skinned woman and it's like mm. it's only when i came on the internet
1: <laughs> yeah it's literally
0: only when i came on the internet i was like oh right because people like obviously people be like, oh you are browning but i always i've always seen browning as like in this as a kind of like I don't want to identify as dark skin, so let me call myself a brownie. But I was like, no, mm-hmm. I'm dark skin. That's what I've been, that's how I that's how I identify. And then it's like you go on the internet and it's like, oh, were you ever told that you shouldn't get you should hide from the sun because you're gonna get a darker tan? Or were you ever told that like, you know, you're blick? And I was like, well, no. And it's like, oh, well, then even though you may feel like you're dark skin, you're not as dark skin as this person to understand this thing. That's the thing. It's actually, there's just there's just levels to everything, and there's multiple axes of like disenfranchisement and we kind of need to stop seeing, acknowledging these axes as like us. It's like a currency, like, oh God, if I admit that I'm privileged in this way, then I can't complain anymore. So then people just don't want to be honest about their situations because we really don't know how to anymore just care about things without either having like a personal, like, you know, connection to it or not even connection, like personal like way of making it like about ourselves or like, I don't know. There's just so many things. Like, I think I even told you, but this would honestly be a conversation for a whole different episode that like, Even when it comes to maternal morbidity stats, like, I mean, as someone who's, like, done quite a bit of reading into it, like, it seems to very, very much reflect and disproportionately affect refugee women, like, Black refugee women that don't have access to prenatal care. That whole conversation is erased because, like, I don't think people particularly care about Black refugee women. And I think, honestly, sometimes that goes for us, like, genuinely, because I feel like a lot of the people that dominate that conversation are less likely to actually be victims of that statistic because we don't we haven't delved into the black people that it is affecting and that goes for things like um coronavirus when we're talking about covid it's like yes like obviously as black journalists as black media people we have to talk about this but at the same time uh, the voices of the people who are most likely to be affected ie key workers aren't really centered in this conversation um yeah and i think that's just like yeah it's kind of like so even when it comes to like generation rent and all this kind of stuff it is often being written about by people that are not affected by the issues they're talking about but just have the platform to do so so and and rather than you know using their platform to kind of highlight inequality they're using it to basically complain (laughs) and be like oh it's so difficult for me because nobody wants to admit to being um to being privileged because it's like the the worst thing it's like literally considered the worst thing or like yeah it's just it's just not something nobody wants to to. not at all.
1: So our slay of the week is Little Sims on winning the 2020 Pioneer Award um, at the, let me say this right, AIMA Awards. Um, Little Sims is someone that, you know, she's just so sick of what she does. So it's always amazing for people. Um, for black women to um, get the recognition in the music industry that sometimes we don't get enough of. Um, and she's super talented. So it's always amazing and beautiful to see that she's getting that recognition and um, and people are behind her. Um, can't wait to see what she does next. Yeah,
0: man. Like definitely big, big shout out to Little Sims. Like she's flipping amazing. I interviewed her a couple of years ago and she was lovely, but also just very sort of introspective and interesting. And also just very much like I don't know how to describe it, like just above the bullshit, like she's just on some next plane. Um, I think it's sick as well that it's like an independent music award that is British because so much of her love comes from the States and she's supremely underrated here. So it's amazing that she's getting her just desserts.
1: So well done to Little Sims. So that's it for this episode, guys. Um, don't forget to subscribe and like and rate and all of that good stuff. Thanks um, for listening and we'll see you guys next time. Till then. Bye. Bye.